This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 73rd edition of Sports and Stuff on RainierAvenueRadio.world. Today I'm joined by a very special guest. I'm joined by the former two-term governor of Washington State, Gary Locke. Governor, uh, give me a minute and I'll get back to you. We have a lot of good stuff going on at RainierAvenueRadio.world. We're based in Seattle. My uh, producer today, James Gerd, is also the host of the After Dark Show at Rainier Avenue Radio. We have some very good shows here, lifestyle shows, political shows, sports shows, music shows. Rainier Avenue Radio also covers all sorts of high school sports and other community activities. My sports and stuff show has been around now for over two years, having a lot of fun. I practice law in Seattle. I've been doing this show uh, as a hobby. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter at pluslawoffices.com. Well, Governor, let me get back to you. I will give you a little introduction. I did the same for a, four year, for a few of your colleagues, such as Slay Gordon and Dow Constantine. Uh, governor Locke, of course, ser- served for two terms as the governor of Washington State. He was the first Chinese-American to serve as a governor of a U.S. state. Uh, governor Locke also served as U.S. Secretary of Commerce, and he was a U.S. ambassador to China in the, during the Obama administration. Governor Locke also served as a a member of the Washington State House of Representatives and as the executive of King County. And the governor came across all sorts of sports-related issues in his career. Uh, Franklin High School graduate, a Seattle guy. He now works as a senior consultant at Davis Wright, a prominent law firm. Well, Governor, thank you for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. It's my pleasure. It's great to be on your show. Well, I really appreciate coming. We had a chance to meet a couple times over the years, and it's fun to have you on my show. Well, Governor, I actually asked you this question once at an event. You may not remember it, but um, do you prefer that I call you Governor? Would you prefer Mr. Secretary or Mr. Ambassador? Well, Gary's fine, uh, but uh, uh, former U.S. Senator Slade Gordon actually said that uh, Governor is the more appropriate title, but that's okay. I go by Gary. I okay. go by Hey You. <laughs> well, th- thank you, Gary. I'll probably still call you governor, but I I, uh, I, I enjoyed your, your feedback there. You've had a long career in, in, in public service, and you, you held various political offices. How did you get the bug to go into politics as a young man? Oh, wow. I, when I was growing up, I never thought I'd ever be involved in politics or government. Um, I just, uh, you know, was active in the Boy Scouts and everything, and then um, didn't even know much about the Washington State politics or government, uh, and um, just uh, went to law school, thought I'd be a community lawyer, ended up as a King County prosecutor, uh, uh, prosecuting people for murder, robberies, and drug offenses, and, and um, um, yeah, and, and violent crimes. And then I just started helping out people, um, campaigning and volunteering. Uh, Norm Rice, when he ran for city council, Dolores Sabanga when she ran for city council and, and people who ran for mayor and things like that and and just got very active. And then people kind of said, hey, Gary, you should run for office. And I knew nothing about the Democratic Party or the district meetings or the party structure or anything like that. And But eventually I, um, I had a chance to go down to Olympia and work during one session as a temporary employee and um, uh, got to really – see a whole range of people from all walks of life you know they were barbers and teachers and tree farmers insurance agents and dentists and and um, so forth and they were just everyday people who really cared about the state of washington so i said if they can do it why not me and so uh, a year or so later i decided to run for the state legislature and won and the rest was history definitely you've had a had an excellent run in uh, politics and government Governor, you served two terms as Governor of Washington State, as I mentioned in the introduction. 
Looking back, what was the most challenging decision or episode that you faced in your eight years as governor of Washington State? Oh, wow. Faced a lot of tough issues. Obviously, we had earthquakes. We had some floods. Uh, we had the implosion or the collapse of the dot-com, Washington, uh, the even though the rest of the country was in a downturn. So <clears throat> we've had a lot of tough issues. Um, uh, just trying to balance the budget and trying to uh, establish priorities. It was my, my view that no matter what type of tax structure you have, you will never have enough money to satisfy all the demands for money and the requests for money. So why don't we try to do a few things really, really well instead of doing so many things in a mediocre or poor fashion? And we really focused on education, both our K-12 through system and also higher education, more financial aid, scholarships for students of working middle-class families. Um, and uh, so those, those were a lot of, that took up a lot of our time. Of course, the attack, uh, September 11th attack, um, had to worry about making sure that we were prepared for any type of uh, biological weapons, anthrax, um, and all kinds of things, and beefing up our National Guard our response. Uh, a couple of personal, tough, tough issues. Um, when we had... Um, People were facing the death penalty, and the execution was scheduled, and uh, those were really tough personal issues for, for me because, um, um, yeah, just knowing that you have the power of life and death over someone is a very heavy responsibility. Well, you definitely had your plate full in your eight years as governor. A bit, you're a bit like a general practitioner, just dealing with so many different issues that came up. And I, I, I want to ask, and you brought up the death penalty issue, Governor, and right now, there's there's a lot of publicity about some of the some of the pardons and commutations that President Trump has been issuing. When you were governor, did you have any general philosophy or standards in issuing pardons and commutations? Well, actually, when I was governor, I probably gave out more pardons and commutations than any governor in recent history. Now, Governor Inslee has given out a lot uh, for people convicted of minor minor drug offenses because now we've recognized that. You know, the war on drugs was probably a mistake, and, and having tough punishments and sending people to prison for minor drug possessions was not the right way to go. So he's made a, a part in their commuted the sentences of a lot of people who were involved in those drug offenses. But I pardon a lot of people for more serious crimes. Having been a prosecutor, uh, I, can, I, also, I, also, I often felt that our criminal justice system was a little bit too rigid. Uh, we have sense. We have sentencing guidelines to provide more uniformity and consistency in in sentences that are administered by judges across the state. I mean, uh, there are some parts of the state where the judges had notorious reputations for throwing the book at people right. for even minor offenses, or even providing unequal sentences based on a person's race or income level, and um, so. Uh, um, I supported as a prosecutor and as a legislator having more uniform sentences to ensure consistency among judges. But sometimes we, I think we went too far and took away all discretion from the judges. I mean, judges are not robots. I mean, they're not a computer. We need to take into account some of the circumstances, uh, individual circumstances uh, of, a, of a person who's committed a crime. And... Um, we should give the judges a little bit more discretion in, uh, in imposing a, a more balanced, uh, thoughtful uh, sentence that uh, 
you know, uh, enforces the community's expectations that people are to be held accountable, but also uh, taking into account the impact on victims, but also in a way that can hopefully rehabilitate the individual and get them back onto a life of uh, uh, contribution to society after they have served their sentence. And so um, I, I uh, uh, commuted and pardoned a lot of people who I felt sometimes uh, the sentences were too harsh. That seemed to be a criteria for you, uh, Governor, in, in those types of decisions, is looking at the severity of the sentence. This is Paul Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio World with former U.S. Ambassador, Cabinet Member, and Governor Gary Locke. Well, Governor, you, you mentioned your one of your successors, uh, Governor Inslee, today, the current Governor of Washington State. And I believe this morning, Governor Inslee made a major announcement that he would be restricting gatherings of more than 250 people and at sports events and, and, and uh, other activities in King, Snohomish, and Pierce counties. Are you uh, supportive of the governor's decision today? Well, I haven't read all the details of it, and I'm not sure exactly how long it will last, but I think obviously we need to try to get ahead of, uh, of this virus and how fast it is spreading and how people are somehow passing it on, and, and we don't know where they got it. And um, and, and the problem with, with this is, unlike the flu, if you, when you have the flu and, and you're feeling under the weather, you know you're sick, you know you're contagious, and you stay away from people, you stay home. And if you even go out and about, people kind of recognize that you're looking and kind of bleary and, and tired and coughing and, and maybe, you know, just a, a runny nose and everything. And so they know to stay away from you. But in this coronavirus, a person could be standing next to you perfectly healthy and yet is actually spreading the disease so who are you supposed to stay away from everybody um, that's the, the 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 hard part about this coronavirus and so we've got to figure out how do we can stop the transmission or at least slow down the transmission until we can have better protocols in place so um, the governor needed to, to uh, really step forward um, and to come up with these policies and restrictions, at least in the, in the areas of the state where we are seeing a huge uh, number of cases. So that's King Pierce and Snohomish County. And let's just hope that we can uh, kind of start controlling this. I'm not sure it'll be perfectly, completely controlled. Um, all it takes is one new visitor, um, a business visitor or, you know, a relative or a friend coming from another city in another part of the country who may have contracted it on, at an airport or something like that and comes and visits you and, and then spreads the disease. But we've got to make sure that we're really protecting the elderly and people who are vulnerable and people with uh, underlying health issues. So uh, we'll have to wait and see how, how this works. But uh, we need to make sure that our health officials and the governor and the mayors of our towns have uh, all the tools at their disposal. Absolutely. Very nerve-wracking times. One thing that came up in one of the networks today, Governor, a lot of restaurants are taking a hit right now. Would you support any kind of FEMA style or any kind of relief for some small businesses are being affected by the coronavirus? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I mean, uh, you know, small businesses employ people. Most of the jobs in our communities are provided by small employers, uh, small companies, and not the big, big Amazons and the Microsofts or the Boeings and the Starbucks of the world, but it's the mom and pops, the restaurants, the hardware stores uh, up and down Rainier Avenue and throughout Rainier Valley. Uh, and they're struggling. Uh, people are afraid to go out, and so they avoid the being in, in areas. And 
and um, a lot, uh, we've already seen and heard of restaurants that are permanently closing, uh, and uh, that's going to lead to a lot of layoffs. And, and those employees have families, uh, housing that they've got to pay for, and um, kids that they're trying to put through school, and food that they need to put on the table. So we've got to be worried about any time a, a business closes down or lays off people, ought to be concerned about the human impact of the employees. And then, of course, those employees, if they're working and, and getting paid, they shop in malls, eat in other restaurants, and go to hardware stores and, and support many other jobs throughout the community. So, you know, we start looking off people because of this coronavirus. It's going to have a major impact, not just on the business and the employees who are directly impacted, but all the businesses and, and uh, employees uh, of the businesses that they that they shop at, so uh, and frequent. No doubt. So we've got to do. We've got to do something. We've got to do something. I, I was very honored that the mayor yesterday appointed me to co-chair a task force focusing on problems and the struggles that small businesses and their employees are facing uh, during this uh, coronavirus uh, situation. And another person of Rainier Valley has been appointed to also co-chair this with me, and that's a former. Uh, Seattle City Council President Bruce Harrell, a resident of Rainier Valley. So uh, he and I are co-chairing this new task force that was just announced by the mayor to really look at what can we do to help small businesses, um, whether it's city funds, city programs, state funds, city, uh, county, I mean, county programs, uh, and even federal uh, SBA, uh, low-interest loans, emergency relief uh, that the Congress is talking about. And, and like you say, almost a FEMA-style uh, disaster relief uh, uh, response. Well, I, I look forward to following your work with uh, Bruce Harrell on that uh, commission. Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports and Stuff on Rainer Avenue Radio with former Governor Gary Locke. Governor, before we go move to some sports subjects, I want to ask you about uh, Joe Biden. I know you serve in the Obama-Biden administration, and... You endorsed Joe Biden, I believe, in late January. Can you share with us how Joe Biden would be different as president anyway from Barack Obama? Well, um, I think their hearts are and, and their attitudes and policies and, and framework uh, uh, perspectives are very, very similar. Uh, and it was a real great honor and, and a delight to work with both President Obama and Vice President Biden. Let me just say that about Vice President Biden and the reason I supported him over some of the other candidates, and they were all excellent, excellent candidates on the Democratic side. Um, but uh, Joe Biden really understands the, the, the angst, the worries, the concerns, the fears um, uh, of everyday working people because he comes from very much a blue-collar family. And, uh, you know, that's kind of his his nickname in, in, in serving in the Congress. He was just an everyday guy, everyday Joe. Um, he would commute every night uh, back to from D.C. back to Delaware on the train because he was raising a family. And he's had a lot of personal uh, struggles uh, through his life. I mean, he stuttered as a kid, had to overcome the bullying and the stigmatization of stuttering and um and, and then right after uh, he was elected to the U.S. Senate, within a matter of weeks, his wife and, and uh, daughter were killed in a car crash. And so he ended up raising his two sons by himself and commuting uh, from D.C. Uh, back home uh, to raise his kids. 
he's had a son that uh, died of, of, of uh, brain cancer. Um, Very you know, sad. And there's, you know, it, it's so, I mean, and there's been some personal struggles among his other kids, uh, his other son, and, um, you know, divorces and things like that. And so, you know, he, he's experienced what so, so many American families experience every single day. And so I think he understands, you know, where Americans are coming from. They, they, they want to live by the rules and they want a, an opportunity to get ahead. Um, they want a better education for their kids. You know, they, they, they're optimistic about the future, but they, they want to, they're worried about health care and will they still have a job 10 years from now with all the robotics and technology that's uh, invading and, you know, coming into our society. And so um, I think he has a pulse a better pulse of the everyday concerns and, and anxieties and worries of, 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 uh, of Americans. So I think that in that sense, he would be an excellent president. Well, and you have so much firsthand experience working with him. It seems like almost everybody who's ever served with Joe Biden on, on both sides of the aisle has similar sentiments that he's, he's known as a pretty, pretty quality guy. Governor, let me move to some, some sports issues. And you were county executive when, King County voters turned down a, a stadium, baseball stadium funding package. Can't believe it's been almost a quarter of a century now, Governor. And it went back to the state legislature. And the state legislature created a new stadium funding package. What was that tough politics for you, Governor, when you were a King County executive in that in that time when the, the King County voters turned down initiative and then and then you supported going back to the legislature, getting getting something else through. What was were those uh, kind of challenging politics for you in that era? Well, that was, and, and uh, there were a lot of uh, strong emotions on it. Uh, what's interesting is that um, the ballot measure uh, that we put to King County voters uh, imposed a, a basically a sales tax on just about everything except for food and medicine. And uh, so people who, let's say, didn't even really like baseball, you know, would help have to pay for uh, the sales tax and pay for the new stadium. And uh, that ballot measure barely lost. Uh, and it, it was defeated by the early voters because uh, those who were voting in the last week, either by mail or at the polls on election day, overwhelmingly in favor of the proposal. Why? Because uh, we had the team that was refused to lose, and they made that incredible comeback uh, and excited the town. And the town really began to see the possibilities of great baseball, and, uh, and they wanted a new stadium. But because of the early voters who had voted in uh, late August and first part of September before the Mariners really caught on fire, it was their negative votes that uh, doomed the proposition. So we went to Olympia. Uh, actually, Mayor Norm Rice and myself and some other civic leaders, we went to Olympia and talked to Governor Mike Lowry. Now, Governor Mike Lowry is known as being a very liberal governor, but he actually supported sports, and he really felt that uh, a cosmopolitan area like uh, the Puget Sound area, you needed arts, you needed uh, good social programs, uh, but you also needed um, a good sports uh, and good sports teams, and, um, and help, that would help create jobs for people in the, you know, having this great climate, this quality of life uh, entices people, companies to come and create jobs and provide opportunities for our sons and daughters. 
So um, he very much supported a different funding package to pay for the stadium, and it was a good funding package because it, it was not a general sales tax. It was really a tax on, on visitors, tourists, hotel-motel tax, uh, car rental tax, and things like that. Um, and uh, that was the bulk of the funding mechanism. And um, it, uh, uh, I thought it was a much better, more fair uh, funding package uh, that the legislature came up with, and um, that was used to finance the baseball stadium. And so I think people, and a lot of people who voted no on the original uh, King County ballot measure later came up to me and said, thank you very much for helping save the Mariners and coming up with a beautiful stadium and a better funding package. Well, when Mariners history is looked at, uh, Mr. Locke, you certainly had a role in, in contributing to keep the, keeping the team here in the 90s. Governor, you also were involved in the Seahawks effort, the effort to save the Seahawks. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's um, I have uh, Governor Gary Locke on with me on sports and stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. This is Paul Schneiderman. You played a role in the uh, in that effort as well. And I, and I remember you you were very adamant making sure the then Seahawks owner, Ken Baring, was held to his lease. And I remember turning on the news and seeing you walk into grassroots pro Seahawks rallies and people chanting, Gary, Gary, Gary. Uh, looking back, were, were, was that a, were those fun times in some ways, being a, being a politician? Well, those were exciting times. Uh, uh, of course, the whole community was rallying to save the Seahawks, and we were in a heated battle with Ken Baring, who wanted to move the team. Uh, he also wanted a new stadium, and... Um, um, and was very dissatisfied with the improvements to the kingdom that we were proposing to make. And um, he basically uh, packed up the team and, and started, uh, you know, in, with moving vans, taking all the equipment down to L.A. And I was in meetings with Ken Baring, and, um, um, and, and we could tell that he was really not negotiating and talked to us in good faith. Uh, and so we were preparing a lawsuit uh, to... Uh, force him to live up to the terms of the lease because the lease had not yet even expired. Right. I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, the lease is up. He doesn't have to be in the kingdom anymore. He, he can move the team. But the lease was still had many, many years to go. And he, so we were going to sue him to uh, hold his feet to the fire. And at the same time, he wanted to sue us to break the lease. So we were actually in the middle of a meeting uh, with the uh, his son and the attorneys representing the Seahawks. This was over in Kirkland when they used to have their headquarters in Kirkland. And um, we had a meeting, and I could tell that they were not being serious and, uh, and, and talking and negotiating in good faith. And that morning before I left the courthouse to go to the meeting, I asked the prosecutor's office, who were the lawyers for King County, um, my former boss, uh, Norm Mailing, and his staff. Sure. Uh, I asked them, uh, hey, where are we on this lawsuit uh, to force the Seahawks to live up to the terms of their lease? And they said, well, it's not going to be ready for about another week or so. I said, no, no, no. I need you to have something ready today. <laughs> I want you, uh, you don't have to put all the pieces together. Just give me one piece of it and get it ready in proper form to file in court on a moment's notice if I call you this afternoon. So we had the meetings with the Seahawks. I could tell that they were just not being serious. And so just before we broke, I called them up and I called up the prosecutor's office and said, file that lawsuit. 
Well, it turns out that during that break, uh, maybe a little bit earlier, the Seahawks had already told their lawyers to go file the lawsuit to break the lease. And so they were negotiating with us even though they had told the lawyers to go file the lawsuit. So, you know, uh, that just shows how um, how they were not operating in good faith and talking to us in good faith. So uh, it became down uh, to which party, which side, filed their lawsuit first. We filed ours in King County. They had their lawyers going over to Ellensburg to file the lawsuit. And uh, it, it came down to which courtroom would hear the case and under whose terms. Ellensburg, under the terms by the Seahawks, where we would then have to be on the defensive side, or would it be in King County in Seattle with the King County being on the offensive side and the Seahawks on the defense, playing defense, responding to our lawsuit? It turns out that our lawsuit was filed several minutes earlier than the Seahawks lawsuit, and therefore our lawsuit took precedence, and it was on our terms. Amazing. Played a big role in keeping the team here. Governor, we have less than a minute left. There are many people in the Save Our Sonics movement said, I actually remember a person saying, this, we need a Gary Locke. We need a Gary Locke here to, to support uh, the people trying to keep the Sonics in sale. Looking back, do you think our government, you would have done some things differently in the Save Our Sonics cause if you had been governor at that time? Well, I wasn't really here during all of that, and I was just so sad, uh, saddened to see the Sonics leave, and I, I uh, don't know... Uh, how much effort was made by uh, uh, Howard Schultz to uh, allow local people to buy the team. Uh, I wish that we had local buyers because when I uh, heard about, I um, uh, can't remember the guy's name from Oklahoma City. Clay Bennett. And he made a, yeah, Clay Bennett, and he made a presentation to um, the downtown business and civic leaders. I could tell that he was intent, uh, despite whatever he was saying, that he really wanted to move the team and he was going to move the team. And so that was a really sad day. You know, we, uh, we were lucky on the Seahawks to have uh, uh, Paul Allen step forward. I remember him calling me and meeting with him, actually, um, after we successfully stopped Ken Baring from moving the team and they had to bring the team back to Seattle. I remember meeting quietly and secretly with Paul Allen in some of the law offices and uh, feeling him out about his interest in perhaps saving the team for the community. And I remember him calling me one night at home and he said, I'm going to do this for the community because the community has been so good to our family. And this is, I'm not here to, to make the money and, and uh, reap profit off the uh, Seahawks. I want to save the Seahawks for our community. And, um, and he laid out the, the terms under which he would buy the team. Uh, there had to be a new stadium uh, and he was willing to look at, a variety of different funding sources for uh, the stadium that would not impact the general taxpayer, but again, maybe on tours and rental cars and, and maybe a takeout food or something like that. And, um, and uh, so um, uh, we, we were able to, when I was governor, I was able to put together that package and the people in the state of Washington voted on it because uh, he also wanted to make sure that the people of the state wanted him to say, keep the Seahawks and keep it here. He was not going to do this if the community, if the state did not want the Seahawks. So um, he was a great person to work with. Great and effort. Look at, the, look, look at how much our community loves the Seahawks. And, you know, you've got 
12 flags all over the place and and people really cheering on the Seahawks. And they've done so much for the community. They are so involved. Uh, the players visiting hospitals, going to schools, encouraging kids to study. They really give back to the community. So that was great. And uh, But we need to bring back the Sonics. No doubt about We need to bring back the Sonics. Governor, I, I can going talk. to that parade in downtown Seattle when they won the championship. So um, we need the we need another uh, basketball championship the way we've had with the Storm. I mean, the Seattle Storm have been great. Several Governor, I really enjoyed having uh, you on. Championships. I hate to cut you off. we got to conclude the interview. Uh, wonderful to have you yep. on. If I had more time, I could talk to you for hours. But thank you so much for coming yeah. on Sports and Stuff. My pleasure. You great take care. being with you. You too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.